I'm Dr. Lara Devgan. I'm a plastic surgeon in New York City, the CEO of Scientific Beauty, and of course, a major beauty enthusiast. You are listening to Beauty Bosses, where we chat with fellow industry leaders who are shaping beauty, fashion, wellness, and all things pretty. Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of Beauty Bosses. I have an amazing guest here today with me. I'm so excited and happy to have my friend and a girl boss extraordinaire, uh, fine jewelry designer Nina Renshaw. Thank you so much for being here. Laura, I'm so happy to be here. I'm really excited to do this with you. I know, you're such a legend and I can't wait to talk to you. But before I do, I want to tell you guys a little bit more about Nina. She has such a cool, interesting story and background. So as a New York native, you have become a household name in the world of fine jewelry. Uh, and it seems that designing jewelry has always been your passion because you actually created your first jewelry collection in the kitchen of your parents' upstate farm when you were 12 years old, which we have to hear more about that. Um, Officially launching your first collection in 2005, you immediately made a name for yourself with your trademark design, the flip ring. And you now have so many different beautiful designs of all iterations that they're just so stunning to look at. and then don't like anymore. But I think your pieces really stand the test of time. So Nina, after that big introduction, (laughs) I really feel like you have to tell us more about how you got your start at age 12. Let's hear more about your first ever jewelry collection. So when I I was born in New York City and I, um, I was here until I was eight and then my parents decided to drop out of New York and move to upstate New York. And my mother saw that I loved working with my hands and there was really little to do there. We didn't have television. We were allowed a half an hour a day, which was I Love Lucy. And um, we rode horses during the day. So at night, she thought, what better thing to do but for me to work with my hands. So my sister would do a lot of reading. My brother would play with his chemistry set and I would design jewelry. So she put a jewelry bench in the kitchen and she would bring me to New York to work with sculptors. So I learned how to do the lost wax process and I had my own polishing wheel and I, and I started to make jewelry when I was 11 and I, I made a line of sterling silver jewelry which my kids say is relevant even today. So, oh my God, yeah. that's so amazing. Do yeah. you still have those of pieces? Of course, of course. One day maybe we'll, we'll launch them or I don't know. That would be them. really cute. Yes. And I wonder if you could sometimes on vacation do... I even wear, I wear some of it because uh, I don't have to worry about it. That would be really cool if you did a little capsule collection mm-hmm. or yes. if you did, maybe you should do a youth collection. That would be really that's fun. That's a great idea. I love that idea my... because I don't really work in sterling silver in my business, but um it would be fun to do something like that. Yeah, my my daughter just turned five and she got some costume jewelry for her birthday and from a friend. And uh, she, she's just so immediately into it. Do you think that there's something about people that is attracted to adornment or the concept of wanting to put beautiful stuff on? Completely, I mean, for me, I always say that the um, the Clothing is the canvas, but the accessories really make it happen. So whether it's your jewelry or a handbag or a shoe, 
I'm oh, I've always been obsessed with accessories, especially jewelry. So maybe your daughter will become a jewelry designer. She can come and work with me. <laughs> yeah, maybe so. You never know what could happen. Exactly. I mean, you never she, know. Uh, yeah, you you uh, think funny things happen. How old is she? She well, I have two. They're five and six. Yeah, so you know, I was eleven when I was already making the jewelry. So. You know, I think you're born with it. I think that when you're when you um, are a creative person, it starts when you're really young, or you're even born with it. It's not something you learn. I think it's something you're born with. But it's interesting in in myself and also watching my kids grow up. I do notice that there is something about them that where they want to collect, whether it's shiny little beautiful foil wrappers from a rare candy, yeah. or you know, a little trinket from a gumball machine or costume jewelry from their birthday, yeah. that there is something about the human spirit. It's almost like magpies or yeah, like little birds who get the foil gum wrappers and put them yes. in their nests. Shiny like, things are fun. Shiny <laughs> objects are just, yes. even I love beautiful shiny, shiny objects. My husband is so understated, but I like the shiny stuff. I do too. I love the shiny things. Um, how did the flip ring come about? And can you tell so us a little I bit about that? I have I'm oh, wearing great. the original one from 2005. And I, I'm in love with rose-cut diamonds. I feel like rose-cut diamonds have this amazing feeling of old, old world, old school. And when the light hits a rose-cut diamond, it flickers like candlelight. And so I had this idea that I wanted to create something that was a conversational piece and that also moved. I love jewelry that moves. I love things that move like Calder-esque type of things. And so I started to work with um, with a jeweler and I came up with this idea for the flip ring. And it was it's really iconic to my brand now. So people see it and they know who I am from the flip ring, which is really interesting. So I first started only in diamonds and then I started doing it in, um, in precious stones like emeralds and rubies and sapphires. And now we do semi-precious. And when my daughter came on board, we did a collar collection. So without diamonds on only semi-precious. So now it spans all the generations, which is amazing. And it comes in three sizes. So, you know, your kids, an 11-year-old can wear a baby tiny one with no diamonds. Or, you know, somebody can have a $100,000 custom-made diamond one. So it's really nice. That's I love cool. to span the generations. It's really yeah. important to me. That's neat. Yeah. Speaking of, do you think that... Do you think that part of the reason jewelry in general is so special is because it has a heritage to it? Because a lot of people have a story about how they got or gifted or received jewelry. Yes, I think I think um, heritage is really important. In fact, um, with emeralds, for instance, both my grandmother and my mother um, had emerald engagement wings and wedding bands. So emeralds are definitely my favorite stone of all time. But uh, for color, but also I grew up on a farm, so with nature and the color, so I have like that. But also this collection that I just started called All That Is, is supposed to be like passed down from generation to generation so that you feel like you can wear it all the time. It almost feels like a talisman feeling. Um, so I do think there's something about that that's passed on from generation to generation. Yeah, I think, I think one, one of the most effective marketing slogans i think is the patek philippe you, ne you never own it you just hold it for the next generation yes, that's like such a great every one. guy who sees one of those ads is like yeah i'm gonna get one of 
knows. I can so, buy that. I can spend the money. It's going to my kids. It's going. It's not for not even for me. I'm just <laughs> exactly. holding. I'm just going to wear it on exactly. my wrist for a while. Yes, I think. And it's I think a good that thing. I think that jewelry has a little bit of that place in people's because it's also very sentimental. So you want it to go to your children. Um, what inspired you to incorporate um, slice diamonds into your designs? So slice diamonds are a certain type of diamond, which is they're flat, but they're faceted around the top, and they're very organic in feel. And when I saw my first pair of slice diamonds, I was enthralled by them. I didn't even know what they were, but I knew that my client, who already had their 20-carat classic diamond, um, would want something like that. So they would walk into a room and somebody would say, wow, what are you wearing? So the idea was that slice diamonds are precious, but they're also organic and they're never too precious to wear, which is the slogan of my company, you know, jeans and a t-shirt or a ball gown and it should go from day to night. And Slice Diamonds kind of incorporated everything that I believe in um, what jewelry should, should be. Never to be, never to be too precious, never to be put in the safe, like enjoy it, wear it, and wow, what is that? And so that's, that's you know, kind of why I fell in love with Slice Diamonds. Yeah, that's really... They're really beautiful. They have like a mossy quality. They're actually industrial quality diamonds. They were used for sharpening knives and for industrial things. And I took the idea and I made them into something fine. And I love the idea of something industrial that's also precious. Yeah, that's really... It's really, neat. really nice. Yeah. There are some surgical instruments that use diamonds incorporated oh, into see? their design. So slice. Um, rasps which are um, kind of like a stainless steel nail file used to shave down the dorsum of the nose usually in a rhinoplasty or um, some some types of supercut dissection scissors. Amazing. And it's really wow. cool to think of diamonds not just as something beautiful mm -hmm. and shiny and frivolous, but also as it's very powerful that they are so hard. Yeah, they are. They're the, hard, they're, the only thing that can hurt a diamond is really another diamond. That's the only thing that can scratch it. It's very interesting. Although sometimes we've noticed like if, if a diamond has a real imperfection and you hit it just right, it could shatter, but it's very rare. Yeah, that's you interesting. Yeah. I think it's cool. Yeah. This is a question that I have been wondering and I actually truly don't know if it's a hot button topic, but maybe you can just in a couple of sentences educate me and our listeners about kind of could you sum up the controversy between mined and lab-grown diamonds, and like, wh what's the what's the general question that's being asked, and what does it all mean? Well, I'm very old school, so for me, diamonds that come out of the earth is to me a real diamond. Yeah. I think that a lab-grown diamond is doesn't feel real to me. Yeah. It doesn't feel as authentic. It doesn't feel. It just it. When you wear a jewelry, when you wear a diamond, you want to you want it to make you feel a certain way. It's kind. Of, I always equate it to a real Hermes bag or a fake Hermes bag. Like, why have a fake Hermes bag? Don't get an Hermes bag. It's the same. I know that yeah. sounds crazy, but it's the same thing with diamonds. To me, if it comes out of the earth and it's real and it's been mined the way it's been mined hundreds of years, to me that's a real diamond. Something that's lab grown, I just. I, I'll never I'll never be able to um, fathom a lab lab grown diamond. It's yeah. just a personal thing, I think. Yeah. But I think I'm old school. You know. I think it's interesting because if you think about what's precious, there there is an inherent intrinsic value to 
the concept of preciousness, but there is also, there is a relative value in the idea of rarity and stumbling upon something from right. the earth that you're just discovering it's cool right i so mean when i think that, that it, that's the history feel, right. of why it's cool exactly and i think when you grow it it just doesn't feel authentic yeah it just it doesn't feel real it's to me. why we're not trading seashells the way we're trading diamonds <laughs> exactly. you know it's like it's a little easier to find yeah. those but people are people are you know selling it and people are making jewelry out of it it's just not something that i would ever be interested in doing yeah personally. i just hear about that and i don't i don't think i ever have had the chance to speak to someone in the field about yeah. it but yeah. it's interesting i i um, i understand that take and i think that a lot of people probably feel that way if you have sentimental value especially wrapped up in a piece of jewelry right the sentiment is probably tied to some i of mean those i things. feel like lab grown almost feels like cubic zirconia like why not just wear a cubic then you know it, it just doesn't have the same authenticity to me yeah but it's just you know I'm very old school with that thought yeah so. one thing I was reading that I thought was so interesting is that there have been so many changes in the world in the past five years with COVID-19 the pandemic shutdown, the reopening, economic fluctuations, and so forth. And so many industries have, have had tremendous variation. But um, one thing I found surprising and interesting was that fine jewelry has been relatively stable over time and, in fact, has grown at certain points when you kind of wouldn't necessarily have thought it would have grown. And I was wondering if you have any ideas about why that might have happened. Yeah, I think when the pandemic happened, people stopped wearing clothing and they couldn't, they weren't going anywhere, but they still really yes. wanted to look nice at home. And then Zoom became the thing. So everybody wanted earrings for Zoom. They wanted to feel fresh and new and exciting. And so we, our business was really, really good during COVID. Um, even the year that COVID was over and it opened, the world started to open, still fashion, the fashion trends were down because people still weren't really shopping and going out and they were afraid, but they were wearing jewelry. And the other thing I noticed that was really interesting was the heritage line, the line that you could wear all the time every day has been a huge trend for COVID because people want to be able to wear something all the time and not take it off. Uh, layering necklaces became very big earrings close to the ear because of Zoom calls. Um, and the business is still strong. It was, it's not as strong as it was the last three years because of COVID, actually. We got spoiled with COVID. Yeah. And now that the world's open, people are traveling and people are buying fashion again. So we're still doing well with jewelry, but it is not the, it's not the primary category at the moment where it was the last three years, how, how has the concept and you know, the boom of quiet luxury with Succession and Sophia Ritchie and Laura Piana and Stad Guy. And how has that, how has that whole trend bubble impacted your work? Um, does, I, does quiet luxury sort of fit, fit in? Well, it does because, first of all, sliced diamonds is always quiet luxury because it doesn't scream diamond. But also, I think people want people really want jewelry that's approachable and wearable, but they still like fine. Yeah. So um, I think um, I think if you wear bling without it looking like bling, 
that's what people are looking to do now. It's not like people, because also safety-wise during COVID, people are afraid to wear their diamonds outside. So it's about layering and wearing the pieces that you can wear all the time without being afraid to wear them. So kind of a quiet way of wearing jewelry, but yeah. still fine and still precious and you know. I was reading, I liked this, I saw your definition of luxury, um, and you said somewhere that people want pieces that no one else has, and it's kind of just mostly about developing a personal connection with a piece when it comes to fine jewelry. Yes, yes, and so what I did was about five or six years ago, maybe even seven, I created a private atelier on the Upper East Side, and so clients can come and sit with me and I know about their kids and what's their favorite color and who, you know, we know their husband, they come for a drink, we sit. It's almost like welcome to my home so that it is all about the connection you have with the person. I mean, I'm sure it's the same with you. I mean, people come to you and they say, okay, what should I do? And as you look at them and you have a connection, like we're friends, you know, and it's amazing. So I think, um, I think that's really the trend of the future. Yeah. I really do. One thing that's so interesting about jewelry to me is that even though I'm such a minimalist, I literally have been wearing the same clothes for 10, <laughs> ten years. I mean, <laughs> to the point where my mom is like, you should probably go shopping. <laughs> you look pretty chic to me. <laughs> well, if you hold them long enough, they'll, come, That's true. they'll Every, cycle right back. It's <laughs> true. I tell my kids, we you don't just throw have anything to stick away. it out long you enough. You have to have a big closet. <laughs> and you have to have a long view. But anyway, um, but I think what's what has always seemed different to me about your beautiful designs is I think they have a really beautiful balance between being timely and current and also a little bit timeless because I know that there are many people who are such fashionistas that they want to cycle through their stuff all the time right. but I also think there are a lot of people like me who are busy and who just can't do that and for me I think fewer nicer things mm -hmm. is a more sustainable way of living completely and also things that you can wear all the time like your diamond studs or if you wore a necklace or this collection that I'm wearing you don't have to have five stones it could have one or a pinky ring or something that you wear all the time that you love that you wear for yourself yeah you know I think it's important so if you were on a desert island and you could only have one piece of jewelry with you forever. It would be definitely my flip ring. Your flip ring. Okay. Because this I've been wearing for 18 years. You wear, wear it every single day. I wear it every single day. And I have to tell you that if I forget it, I think I've lost it and I panic because I'm so used to it moving on me that it's become like a friend. Like I, I, I literally would, I, I'm like, oh my God, I lost something. I play with it all the time. So that's what I would say I couldn't live without if I, if I really had to choose something. What are your goals and plans for this next step and next iteration of your, um, of your jewelry and your designs? Well, I just launched, um, we just launched, my daughter works with me, and we just launched um, a wood and gold collection. I've never worked in wood. It took almost a year and a half to... Um, to work in the wood because the gentleman that's making the wood only makes furniture so he never worked small scale and I never worked in wood so our gold makers really it took almost a year and a half we just launched it last week and so we're doing that and the next collection actually is a collection that I'm doing with my daughter Alexa 
So it's going to be a mother-daughter. She's done a lot of the designs, and I am kind of letting her kind of, you know, I want her to kind of grow into the business. So um, that's kind of the next step. That's amazing. And we're going to launch that together in uh, probably in the early fall. What is it like working with your daughter? Um, it's great. At the beginning, we definitely needed a third party so that um, mom could learn some boundaries. <laughs> like, don't text me in the middle of the night a question about business. Um, but it's great. I mean, we love working together, and it's really, really fun because also she's my eyes and ears, and she's super talented, and so I don't have to worry about you know the photo shoots, what it looks like. She's a great stylist. Um, so it's really it's amazing having her with me. That's so wonderful. Yeah. Um, I also, before we wrap up, wanted to ask you a little bit about your unique position in the world of jewelry, because we were talking about this offline, but jewelry historically has been such a male-dominated world, and a lot of the major jewelry houses that we think about when we think of just, you know, buy a a piece of jewelry, um, those are uh, owned by men, and a lot of the big decisions and big moments there are orchestrated by male voices but yet they're intended to be worn mostly by women and of course I don't want to make a gross generalization because I can already think of a handful of exceptions on both the wearer side and the designer and the owner side but um, how does it feel to be kind of disrupting a little bit of that and innovating in your space? It feels really good. It's taken, I mean, my business is 18 years old. It was launched in 2005. And, you know, when I first started um, working with all the diamond dealers and a lot of them more religious and, you know, we can't be in a room alone and all these interesting things, um, it took a long time for them to to gain respect. And it's very interesting um, because they are also generations of families. Um, it was helpful that my my husband's family was in the diamond business, so the name was already kind of implanted, so that they they had no choice but to respect me. But I think that um, it took a long time for them to really understand that it you know it's okay that women are coming into the business and we're buying diamonds. And now I feel that I completely have respect and. Um, it's it's gotten so much better over the years, uh, but at the beginning it was all male oriented, and uh, but now it's changed a bit, and everybody is um, is really uh, opening up more to it. I mean, you're making your new your new um, yeah surgical tools, instruments, which is pretty yeah. amazing tools for yeah. women in a male dominated world. Um, so it's interesting. It's an interesting time. Uh, I think. I think I think it will all be okay. I think with everything with women, um, I don't know. I can't know what to say. Yeah, we yeah. It kind of just it um, keeps evolving. Yeah, we it iterate, keeps evolving. and I I think that our generation is further along than our parents' generation, wow. and our kids' generation is going to be even further ours. along. Yes. And I think it's just progress it is built over day. time. Exactly. We all stand on the shoulders of the prior generation. Yes. And I think we've done a lot keep of good going. work as yeah. women. I mean, I think it's really amazing, actually. I really do. I think we're getting stronger and stronger and gaining more respect, and I think it's fantastic. Well, I really love your beautiful work, and um, as someone who has also a visually oriented and aesthetic field, I just think the aesthetic is so perfect. Thank you. Um, and I want everyone to check out your beautiful <laughs> designs, you. but can you please remind us where to find you? Uh, NinaRunsdorf.com. Uh, it's a, 
we have a website. Uh, we also have an Instagram, Nina Ronsdorf Jewelry. Um, that would be great. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. It was you. so fun. That was really fun. Thank you. Thank you.